Welcome to the Broken Vessels Podcast. Jeremiah 18.4 states, And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. This is the Broken Vessels Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Simpkins. This is a podcast where we have discussions on theological themes for the broken to bring encouragement and hope in Christ. And I would like to welcome you back to the Broken Vessels podcast. I'm so very thankful that you're joining me again today. And this is a episode that has been really a long time coming for me. I'm having a guest on today to talk about brokenness and spiritual disciplines. And as I thought about having someone on to talk about this topic, the best person that I could think of was Gretchen Ronovic of 1517 Project because my wife and I read her book, Ragged Spiritual Disciplines for the Spiritually Exhausted, that came out in 2021. And we were so blessed by that book. And in my opinion, it is the best book out there when it comes to talking about spiritual disciplines. So Gretchen, she loves rich theology rooted in real life. She created Gospel Mentoring, a training program for intergenerational discipleship. And she's also the co-host of the Freely Given podcast talking about living free in Christ. She has articles published or is a contributor to the 1517 Project. She's also contributed to the Gospel Coalition, Women's Ministry Toolbox, and she regularly speaks at events, which recently she just spoke at the 1517 Conference. So, Gretchen, we are so thankful that you're here on the Broken Vessels Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's good to be here. Yes, very much so. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it. And I'm going to ask you first off, obviously, with everything you've done in the book that you wrote and everything, I'm actually going to read a quote from your book real quick. All right. And then um, I'm going to go ahead and ask you this question. But you say in your book, spiritual disciplines do not call us to monastic life by ourselves. They call us to communal life. Life in Christ cannot be separated from being a part of the body. To me, that is so important. It's so quintessential to the Christian life and what it really means to live for Christ. It's all about living together. But I want to ask you this. Can you define for our listeners? Many may be asking, what are you even talking about when it comes to spiritual disciplines? Can you define what spiritual disciplines are and how they have been taught in most modern church contexts? Yeah, so spiritual disciplines is kind of a buzz phrase that you see in books or kind of this overarching definition would be something you would do to maybe grow your faith. A lot of books will list spiritual disciplines. There's no definitive list. So some books will list, you know, prayer and Bible reading and fasting and other ones will say journaling or silence and solitude and all of these things. And and for my book, 
I pulled from several different sources of lists, but the way that I came up with the list was, is this something that scripture actually talks about? Right. Um, and, and how do we understand this common practice in the church in kind of understanding the law and gospel distinctions and how they fit into that? Because I think that a lot of times spiritual disciplines is where we leave law and gospel distinctions and say, okay, we totally understand that, but here's what all the things that we do. Yeah. And that has been something I've, I wrestled with for many years. And so, so yeah, I, I wanted it something in scripture and something that was for our growth, you could say. Right. Yeah. And I, I could really feel the struggle that you went through just in your rawness and vulnerability in the way that you talked about being a mom and feeling all this pressure to be and do and this and that and how God brought you along and helped you to understand that's not what it is. (laughs) You know, it's really understanding that whole guilt, grace, gratitude paradigm to a degree. Yeah, the the 1960s and 70s, there was a new buzzword that came in to Christianity just called quiet time where you should get up early in the morning and have your quiet time with the Lord. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like get up in the morning and spend time with the Lord. You have the freedom to do that. But for me, I have six kids and one of them was special needs. Mm. And We live on a farm and then I was in a car accident, Mm. but then after, so I was dealing with pain stuff and also with the farm, as we were talking about before we started recording, we're in planting season right now. So my husband has been working 20 hour days for the last five days and he's going to do this for a couple of weeks. Mm. And so there's seasons where my family life is really intense and seasons where I have more help at home. And so to have this regularity, I think there is a spiritualization of, if you can be regular and if you can be consistent and if you can have your life organized and in order, then you can grow. And when you present it that way, when you are at a disadvantage, let's say your your family has a very seasonal life for their vocation, or you have a special needs child, or you are dealing with health issues, all of a sudden not getting your life in order becomes a predicament to, to you growing in Christ. You're like, yeah. I can't get my life in order to grow in Christ. And there, that's when the wrestling comes in. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. interesting. My wife and I have had conversations about this, and it's really interesting how this whole spiritual discipline idea really, like you said, came in in the 20th century. I want to read a quote real quick from your book. You said, devotions or quiet time are the buzzwords of the second half of the 20th century. Personal Bible time became a focus among evangelicals. These are not bad terms, but it should be noted that they are new ones. 1,900 years of church history didn't include those words, and you won't find them mentioned in the the Bible. And that really resonated with me because it's like, what do you do with all the people way back during the Dark Ages and even during the Reformation when they couldn't even have a Bible? How were they able to have a quiet time? Just, it's kind of ludicrous the way that we've placed or made this thing where people have to follow these certain things or standards of what well, spiritual disciplines. If you don't have these spiritual disciplines in your life, somehow you're not spiritual or somehow you're not growing in Christ. And when you think about it, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And I think the biggest fear that I had in writing this is that 
people would think that I'm saying, it's totally fine not to read your Bible. God just doesn't even care, you know, or it's totally fine to not pray. Or, you know, I mean, you won't find that in scripture either. Mm. But I think what you will find is a consistency of the Holy Spirit being there for us. Yes. And I think that is what is missing when we go into these high pressure, high intensity, trying to get people to be really spiritual. Right. To force this growth. We're really usurping what the Holy Spirit is doing and, and trying to take the credit for it. And when I realized that, trying to bravely walk in the freedom of that to see okay, if, if I just trust God, is he actually going to help me grow? Yeah. Is that actually going to happen? Yeah. And <laughs> that is a daunting task to be able to try to point people in that way to Christ and not to what they do, especially in the context of 20th and 21st century Christianity that we live in, because unfortunately, within a good majority of the church. That's what it's all about. It's all about you and it's not about Christ. And we have to get back to a point where we are pointing people to Christ, who he is for us and what he does for us. Well, let me ask you this. How have you experienced personally, which you share a lot in the book about your personal experience, but how have you experienced personally and seen with other believers how a bad understanding of spiritual disciplines brings brokenness to us in our lives. Yeah, I see this a lot. I've actually had a lot of conversations lately um, within the context of marriage. I think of, for instance, like this idea that the husband should lead family devotions every morning Mm -hmm. with the family, which again Mm -hmm. is not a bad thing to do. I mean, if you're doing that, don't stop. It's great. But again, how is my husband going to do that in the season he's in right now where he's getting four hours of sleep a day? You know, so it's like that pressure. And then I think a lot of times I've talked with other women where, when you're in a very pietistic environment where you're like, okay, I have to get my husband to do this. I have to get, and I, I need to make sure that he's the one that, that's doing it. And there's there's this pressure and this motivation of just kind of like, how do I manipulate someone to do devotions the way that I want them to do it, but they're not being consistent. Maybe they're not as spiritual as me, and then I'm going to question their faith. And, and then it just starts rolling to this snowball within a marriage of you're supposed to be a certain spiritual way that I wanted you to be. And that can be really hard on a relationship. And so, yeah, one example that I think of and I've, I've heard of an awful lot. And I remember before I was, you know, when I was, before I wrote this book and I was still kind of planning and working through it, just having the freedom to, to understand, okay, so if I want to read my Bible and my kids interrupt me, I can just bring them in my lap and just read it to them. Cause it doesn't really matter if I'm all alone. Like right. I would like to be alone, but yeah. that's more my preference. That's not something that the Bible prescribes that it has to be. And I can do that. And I'm not usurping my husband. This is just a natural part of our daily life. My husband does it. I do it. It's just, it's kind of, we've kind of just accepted that Christ is a part of our family life, whether or not he's scheduled. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And instead of trying to manipulate this, for lack of a better term, Instagram perfect life, that none of us can really achieve. Yeah, you're completely right on that. And I really appreciate you bringing the whole marriage and family context into the conversation. I think so many people out there as believers, because of bad theology, it's not only bad for a wife, 
but it's bad for a husband because there's this idea that there's this hierarchy that is controlling everything instead of Christ controlling everything. And like you said, it's like you feel like almost like you have to kind of put this pressure on your husband to do what he's supposed to do and he's not doing it. And, oh, what are we going to do? You know, or you, the wife, you're like, well, I got to pick up the slack or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and it's all about doing, doing, doing. It's all this pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality where we have to do all these things because, man, if we're not doing this stuff, we're not pleasing God. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, pleasing God is not what we do. Christ has already done that for us, and that's what we have to rest in. That is what we have to rest in. And then the question becomes, how can I serve my husband? And how can my husband serve me? And then it's not about making this performance for God or even performance for our kids, but making it about serving one another. And that changes the entire dynamic. Exactly. And loving God and loving others, those were the two greatest commandments, overarches everything as far as the law is concerned for us as believers. But loving others is not being manipulative. It's not coercing them to be a certain way or trying to control them to be a certain way. You have to let God be Mm -hmm. God and let him work in their hearts and in their lives. Now, you wrote the book Ragged, which we've already mentioned, and dealing with this subject. And I find that to be a very interesting title, and I very much resonate (laughs) with that title. Why did you title the book that way, and what was your goal in writing this book on spiritual disciplines? Yeah, I think it was honestly how I felt at my pinnacle of falling apart. The book starts right around the time of my car accident when my chronic pain starts. And at that point, any illusion of holding my life together and and gradually getting better just kind of fell away. And it was kind of a turning point in my spiritual life where when my pain started getting more under control, I remember praying to God, don't worry, God, I'm getting better. I'm not going to need you as much as I have needed you in the last couple months or year. And hearing myself say that, if I had written it down, I don't quite remember, but realizing that my goal in my spiritual life was to make sure I wasn't bothering God or causing him any trouble. So just this idea of I'm trying so hard, God, don't you see that? I'm trying so hard. It's also a play on the passage of scripture where our works are rags. How, how God is our full salvation. Yeah. Um, everything we do is soiled rags. And so this idea that God needs us has been something that I have struggled with pretty much my entire life because I, I've always thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to help God with this and I can help God with this. <laughs> now, I, I understand now a good idea of vocation of how God uses us. He totally yeah. uses us in the world. But God doesn't need us. Nope. Like He is very capable. Mm-hmm. And But letting that play out in our lives can be very scary. But it's also very beautiful because I started learning to ask God the hard questions I was afraid to ask. Yeah. And that became almost an act of faith. Yeah. And to be vulnerable in front of God, to be needy in front of God and find that he actually not only meets us there, but he had been working to get me to that point. And that was an important point for me to get to, to understand his goodness. It's a struggle. (laughs) It takes you going through a lot of hardship. And as a 
good mutual friend, Chad Bird, says sometimes he comes in with a scalpel and sometimes he comes in with a bulldozer. <laughs> uh, amen. Breaks amen. you up. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And he has to bring you to the end of yourself so you understand that he's the only thing you have. I mean, that's yeah. really what it comes down to. Well, and I think that we know that when we are weak, he is strong. Yes. But we think that we shouldn't have to be weak or we should try not to be weak as best as we can. Or we should, you know, and all of the shame of our weakness that we continue to carry, mm-hmm. even when we're in his grace. Yeah. That I think he's just been continuously chipping away. Yeah. At and Well, and you think um, of Paul. And I believe it's Second Corinthians 12, where he talks about his weakness. And he didn't like his weakness. He reached out to God and he said, please take away this weakness. But yet God said, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm using that to promote my strength and to glorify myself. And yeah, Paul said, well, I, I I'm going to rest so in that. Deeply. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too. I, I tell you, I yeah. feel it. <laughs> so if... We take a more gospel-centered, historically Protestant view on spiritual disciplines. So, you know, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we're talking about like quiet time, Bible reading, prayer, fasting. That's one I've heard. There's many. And like you even promote in your book, these are not bad things. These are things that are good for our lives. It's just you have to have the right perspective as you're doing them, that this is not gaining you like brownie points with God. It's not giving you clout with God. It's just simply something you're doing to grow closer to him and to bring glory to him in your life. So if we take that more gospel-centered approach that you do in this book, and how can it be actually fruitful and healing for all of us as believers? It's interesting to me, I told you before the podcast started that I'm writing an elementary book on a biography on Katie Luther right now, Martin Luther's wife, who she had none before she got married. And I, I think a lot of times as Protestants, we're constantly trying to return to the monastic life, yeah, not fully understanding why we left it in the first place. And one of the things I actually discovered in writing this book, it wasn't in my initial proposal. It was something that I learned as I was writing, as I started seeing the pattern, is that each spiritual discipline has an individual element, but it also has a communal element. Yeah. So we aren't in this Christian life alone. So while we can pray by ourselves, absolutely, we're also called to pray with others and for others. And even things like lament is is a discipline I put in here, mm. which is... The I love that too, by the, the way. Most. That that was very helpful to me. I love the um, fact that you made that one of the things you talked about. I, I probably get the most emails over that one because I think a lot of times people don't see that as something that we should do. Mm-hmm. And, and so when someone in our midst is crying out or grieving or struggling, we try to put that down as quickly as possible. Yeah. Instead of entering into that grief with them, which right. is what we're called to do. There's a lot of these spiritual discipline elements and that's very burden lifting. Like I'll give an example. I've, I've shared this example a couple of times and it's a little embarrassing, but I'm in, I'm vulnerable in the book. So I just continue to be so and 
overshare. But after I finished writing the book and it was turned in and it was at the publisher and um, getting printed. So I started writing the book. I signed the contract in February of 2020 and then March, everything fell apart. And so writing the book was a lot more chaotic than I anticipated because my family was all around all the time. Yeah. And then that harvest was a very intense harvest that fall. And I got the book done right around harvest and school was starting for a homeschool group. And, and so I got it done, but I was kind of burnt out afterwards. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to give myself permission to just take a break and not do anything for like two, three weeks, just yeah. be with my family and chill. So after about three weeks, I mean, pretty soon the guilt started coming in because I hadn't even cracked open my Bible in like yeah. three weeks, except maybe at church. And the accuser comes mm. pretty easily of, you just wrote a book on spiritual discipline. <laughs> When's the last time you read your Bible? Are you being consistent? Yeah. Are you, you know, you are not doing this and this doesn't matter to you anymore. Now you're losing your temper with your family. And, you know, it's just like the, the snowball of that. And I texted a friend of mine who is very gospel saturated. And I said, I'm honestly struggling to get back in my Bible. Yeah, because I got really burned out and I, I just don't even know where to start, like what I want to read next, what I want to do. She copy and pasted what she had read that morning and she texted it to me in a text. And I looked at it and I read it and she's like, well, you just read my text. You're back in the word. It's <laughs> over. And it was like the most amazing response ever, because instead of saying, oh, it's totally fine. Don't even worry about it. Or instead of saying, you have to get back on the horse, Gretchen, and you've had your break and now get back to it. Instead, she's just like, you need the word. Here's the word. Amen. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the community where instead of responding in shame or instead of responding with a prescription, we're responding with, is this what you need? Then let's do that together. Yeah. And it's, there's a communal element to that. And that impacted me greatly. In that time to see that, okay, it's not all on my shoulders. I have a community here. Yeah. I think that is such an important element to the way that you promote spiritual disciplines. My wife and I very much appreciated that as we read the book and we talked about it. The way that God sanctifies us, yeah, he does do that mm -hmm. on an individual basis, certainly. Mm -hmm. But primarily, he does it through the means of grace, through the body, and yes. we yes. have got to be connected with one another to be able to grow and to change. And you're right. It's like when you're out here on an island somewhere struggling, that's when the body has to swoop in and just be like, no, man, you're over here in the flock. Don't be the 99 that goes off wandering away. Come over here and let's love one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's yeah. help each other grow in the grace of God. And let's do it in a way where we're not judging our brother or sister in Christ, but we're like, hey, come on over here. This is what we're doing. Yeah. And let's look in the word and let's grow. And man, that has a huge impact <laughs> on your life. And I, I love the way that you promote that in this book. The monastic life was very separate. It was very separate from society. It was separate from sometimes each other. Some of the cloisters that I'm reading about were silent cloisters where you just never talk yeah. with each other. And you will notice in my book, I do not have the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude because I still haven't figured out quite how to do that. It's just, it doesn't fit in my life. And yeah. I think I would love that. And I think as my kids are getting older, I'm having that. But at the same time, that is not stopping the Holy Spirit from doing 
doing what he needs to do right. in my life. It's not always as pretty as I would like or as structured as I would like, but always looking back 2020, you see, okay, God knew exactly what he was doing. Of course he does. Yeah. He, he, he always does. And <laughs> the thing that's funny is you're saying it, it's never pretty or just all put together well again i talking about chad (laughs) chad bird he always says like that's where god works he works with all the broken messed up people that's where he does his best work and i am thankful for that (laughs) because i'm one of those broken messed up people and i'm just so thankful that god works with the broken that's where he does his best work it's not with the people like the pharisees that had it supposedly all together That's not where he does his best work. He does his best work with people like us, with people like Chad, with people like Jacob. We could go on and on and on about the messed up people in the Bible. Yeah, I kind of grew up, I would probably call myself a Pharisee when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Very, uh, very judgmental, very passionate about my faith. Yeah. uh, Wanting to be on fire for the Lord all the time, want to do all the things. And God really had to break that down, really. And that was probably one of the most painful times of my life. Yeah. And it was, it's hard to explain to people because it wasn't a very public breaking down. It was very private. Yeah. It was literally God just humbling me in a lot of various ways. And so when people like Chad or when people like myself, when we are vulnerable or we speak openly about our faults or our brokenness, it's not because we're just content to stay where we're at or just like, yeah, I'm totally fine being broken. It's that the fear of God has been placed in us yeah. of, of it's okay to be broken because he is that good. Yeah. <laughs> because he is holding us together. It's just a, it's the very clear vision that God is the only one holding me together. Amen. And that's all I can talk about. I love that. <laughs> I don't have anything to, else to say. Yeah. Um, and we joke about it too, of just when people ask me to speak places and we talk about topics, I kind of joke, I'm kind of a one hit wonder. Like we can talk about different passages, but I only know how to talk about the gospel. Amen. I literally have no how to's to give you. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'll tell you what, um, if that's your one hit wonder, you just keep doing it because that's the best one hit wonder ever. <laughs> so, some, so I think some people, read this book looking for how-tos and maybe there is some element to it but this is actually a story of all the ways that I have failed or tried again or experimented with being with God and him being faithful pretty much no matter what well of course Um, and the way that you approach it is you deal with several of what others would call quote-unquote spiritual disciplines, but you deal with it in a gospel context. And the thing I really appreciated was the fact that you're like, you're never going to do this perfectly. Don't even try. (laughs) You know, it's like, look to Christ and look. No, that's not the goal. The goal is to just rest in Christ and look to Christ and do these things because you love Jesus. Don't be doing these things because you're trying to get some kind of clout with God or with Jesus. All of that's already been taken care of at the cross. 
Well, and what I have found is that when we let go of that performance element, things start getting really real oh, yeah. in our prayer life and with our conversations with God, with our conversations with others. They get baseline real yeah. to the point where you start getting afraid, okay, is God going to be mad if I say this? If God is going to be mad if I reveal this? And all of a sudden, God starts dealing with issues, Yeah, dealing with issues spiritually and doctrinally and theologically and relationally that maybe we haven't wanted to deal with because we were so focused on performing. Yeah, yeah. And that that's re- where a lot of the real work begins, and, and that's why God brings us to those places. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you talk about, is God going to be mad if I'm honest? Well, of course not, number one. He already knows everything before the beginning of time. So it's ridiculous. (laughs) That's just our own issues. But being honest with God and just casting our burdens upon him, which the Psalms tell us to do, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you as a believer. Cast it on him. Trust me, God is big enough to take your burden and to carry it for you. He's already done it. He already paid for your sin at the cross. He loves you. That is the absolution of the gospel. The gospel is everything. Christ is everything. And if brothers and sisters in Christ, if you can rest in that, doing these spiritual disciplines is only just something that you do not to Again, gain clout with God or to get some kind of acceptance from God. But you do it just because you love him and you want to you wanna know him. And he understands you're not going to do it perfectly. And you have to come to an understanding you're not going to do it perfectly. And that's okay. You can just rest in him, okay? Rest yeah. in Jesus. Trust him. Know he's there for you. Know that he loves you. Know that he's never going to let you go just because you don't get your Bible reading done at 6 a.m. on Monday morning. Okay? Mm -hmm. You have to remember that. Now, Gretchen, I want to ask you lastly, what are some of these disciplines? I hate calling them that, but it's hard. I wish there was a better word. There is not. (laughs) I hate the word, but it's just point of reference. But what are the disciplines that have been most restful and impactful for you personally that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I think the spiritual discipline that I address first in the book is the spiritual discipline of rest. And I did that very much on purpose because as a certified workaholic, that's when I struggle with. And I've learned that when I carve out a place for me to rest and just be, even if I'm not doing something holy, I'm just sitting there reading a book. Or just being, because God says it's okay to just rest. Not only says it's okay, it's a literal command, not to bring the law into it, but to understand that he wants us to rest. I just have to pause Um, you there. I love what you just said. Like, I'm just sitting there and I'm just being, and that's okay. People got to hear that. They have got to know that and they have to hear that because there's so many in the church that don't think that's okay to just sit there and to just be. And be. rest in Christ. You know? Yeah, that one that's really hard for me. I found that that one is also formative. I'll say formative because it's a much nicer word than difficult. It's formative for my relationships because I've learned it's okay for me to say no to other people. Yeah. Because God has commanded me to rest. Yeah. Even people in my family to say, no, this is actually a day I've cut out. Or even if it's an afternoon or a time and thing, this is the day we're not going to do anything because we just need to just chill. Yeah. And 
And I don't think, I'm not going to say just American Christianity. I think Americans in general don't understand that concept yeah. of that. But it has kept my head afloat. It has kept my marriage afloat. It has enabled me to give grace to others. Like, so if someone else can't do something, they say, I can't do something. I don't demand a reason. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, why can't you do that? Well, and because maybe it's just their day where they're resting and they just can't do one more thing. Yeah. You know, I think it enables, so it's been formative for relationships with others and it's been formative mm. for entering into the rest of the disciplines, understanding the concept of God's okay with me resting. Not yeah. only is he okay with it, he told me to. Mm. Amen. Um, <laughs> and so I think that one has probably impacted me the most and I think has enabled me to do all the rest of the disciplines. Yeah. I think it's kind of the foundational one, though I'm a chronic people pleaser. So mm. it's one where I think God has been really addressing idolatry in my own life of making sure that everybody likes me and yeah. everybody's pleased with how I'm doing and all of these things. So it's and it's still a work in progress. I'm still dealing with this. Sure. But I've noticed that this spiritual discipline of rest has been God rooting out an unhealthy level of people pleasing. Yeah. In my life and having me ask the more important questions of, Lord, what do you want me to be doing instead of what does everyone else want me to be doing? Right. Which I don't think happen without that. So that that's something that God has used a lot in my life, which, you know, I joke now because life does not seem very restful right now. But <laughs> he, still, he still carves out those times of rest and yeah. he still reminds me, have you been resting? And so then I have to say no to other people and carve yeah. out that time. And it's so okay to say no. with me. Yeah, it's it's okay to say no. It's okay to, man, especially with the way that I grew up in IFB, which all of my listeners know, you know, this whole idea of having to do all the things and be everything for everyone. You cannot be everything to everyone. You just can't. And mm-hmm. there has to be a point where you say, no, enough is enough. I have to take some time and I have to be with my Lord, you know, and that's not a selfish thing. It's not. No, but I think, I think somehow we're convinced it's selfish. And, but yeah. it actually is something that God is doing to help his church to be healthy, to help his people to be healthy. He, yeah. God is not going to be affected whether or not I take a rest. He's going to be God no matter what, but he knows it's going to affect me and he knows it's going to affect my church Yeah, and he knows all of that. So that one, that and, and the Bible reading, especially in the context of community. Amen. Um, my Bible reading personally has so much fruit as well, but it's the people in my life preaching the gospel to me mm-hmm. that makes it so personal. Yes. I, I have to say that as well. I have so. to say there was, I can't remember if it was in the book or if it was something I saw you post on social media, but something that really blessed me, I just want to share this with you, was you were having a really hard time, and I don't remember the context of it, but you were not able to be at church. You weren't able to partake in the means of grace. And your pastor gave your husband the permission to administer communion to you in your home. That blessed me. I That literally brought tears to my eyes when I read that. Yeah, that was a story from the book. I had been, I mean, when you have a bunch of kids and they get sick and it just stretches out for weeks. Yeah. And my husband's an elder in our church and, and he's one of the people who administers communion, but he talked with my pastor about it and said, I think I, I just need to bring this home. And they're like, yeah, I think you do. That was great. <laughs> that was awesome. That's, <laughs> that, that, was awesome. It, that is awesome. And that is 
true gospel community. It's true gospel community. It's true love of Christ. It's true serving one another. And that blessed me immensely when I read that. Gretchen, I am so thankful that you came on to the Broken Vessels podcast to share with my listeners. I can guarantee you this is going to be a blessing to every single one of them. And just your heart, how vulnerable you are and how much you love Jesus. And you're just struggling along like the rest of us and resting in Christ. And it's just a blessing to talk with a sister that gets it. You know, it really is. This was fun. It yeah. was encouraging for me to talk about it. Very much here, so, so. Very much so. Hey, um, go ahead and uh, shout out any um, contact information, website. I've known for several weeks that you've been working on this new book. Share kind of details about that, but just anything that our listeners can do to connect with you on 1517 and beyond. Yeah. So I think on the socials, I'm probably most active on Twitter. I'm G.A. Ronovic. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I think I'm Gretchen.Ronovic there. I do that sometimes. I have a podcast, Freely Given. We talk about the freedom of the Christian, my friend Katie and I. And yeah, I I also have a newsletter that goes out once a month with a devotional. You can go to my website, GretchenRonovic.com to sign up for that if you like. And then I have a book I'm working on with Crossway right now on Katie Luther for kind of upper elementary middle schoolers. Um, I'm also working on a book right now with Lexham Press, which will be my next kind of adult regular nonfiction book. Uh, This one is talking about the patience of God for us and understanding what it means to patience, which is, again, something I also struggle with that, you know, I'm kind of shaking my fist to the heavens that God is having me write about patience right now. But (laughs) it's been it's been really good. It's been really good. So that is also something going on, understanding God's patience for me when I am struggling with that. And let's see. And I have another book. I have a children's book coming out with 1517 on the fruit of the spirit that is being illustrated right now. So that is hopefully coming out next year. All right. That's all. Sorry, that's a long list, but there you go. All right. Well, (laughs) y'all check out GretchenRonovic.com. I'm telling you what, this sister, she is just awesome. And you are going to be blessed by her and her ministry. I got to tell you, sister, just just your winsomeness and your grace and your vulnerability has been just wonderful talking to you today. And it really has blessed me very much. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks so much to you, too. It's good to be here. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us again for the Broken Vessels podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.